Amen. Good to see you all. Welcome, welcome. The words of Jesus, our current series, and I'm loving the freedom to go to any red print in the Bible. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Arthur's there. He'd love to pass one out to you. Last week, Luke 12, 32, fear not, little flock, it's the Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. Ah, I love that verse. That was wonderful. If you want to know about that, you can listen. But what a joy it was. So, I'm just going to teach my week. How's that? Because it usually comes out in the sermon anyways, and we'll just use some red. I've been asking the Lord each morning, God, what do you want this day to be about? I don't know if you guys ever do that. You wake up, Lord, what's the theme of the day? What do you want to show me? And um, so I was doing that, my usual position on my pillow, um, because the day's starting, right? I wasn't up and at him. I wasn't making breakfast. I was just laying there. And last week, I, I think the Lord showed me a few things which made me want to ask more. But I remember one day he said, have expectation today, I'm going to do something. And I felt the Lord say that. And I remember it well, it was last Wednesday. And God did, he did a wonderful work. Um, it was just in the high school, and, and it just seemed that God spoke to us that day, and there was a lot of confession and repentance. And I, that night, I just said, thank you, Lord, that was wonderful. Thank you for preparing me for that. So on Tuesday morning, I woke up, and I said, Lord, what do you have for me today? And it wasn't necessarily as exciting as seeing God move in incredible ways that way with people. But I certainly believe that God spoke to me and said, I want to teach you in my word today. So when I got up, it would be pretty good if I read my Bible then, right? So it just happened, my devotions happened to be in John 15. And I had been reading through the Gospel of John. And if you want to turn there now, John chapter 15 I believe on Tuesday that the Lord showed me something for my life, and hopefully will encourage you this morning as well. So we know in John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, it is God's Word at the Last Supper through Jesus to His disciples. So He talks of many things, but here in John 15... He says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Verse 4, abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit in itself unless it abides in the vine, Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Verse 7, which I have a little star beside. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. But this, my Father, is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. 
As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain, and that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Well, I made a specific point to star verse 7. And it's very similar in some ways to the end of verse 16. Whatever you ask the Father in my name... He may give you in verse seven. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. I love those verses in the Bible. So my eyes always will go to them first because I find those are pretty amazing statements. And not only in this little discourse in chapter 15, But in chapter 14, he says the same thing in verse 14. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Chapter 16, verse 24, same sermon. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, you will receive, that your joy may be full. I have read these verses before. And... I've claimed these verses. Anyone claimed these verses? Have you ever been praying something and you might be a little frustrated and you're like, but God, you said, if I ask in your son's name, in Jesus' name, you're going to do it. I've been encouraged by these verses. And to be honest, at times, I've been disappointed with these verses. I have not understood these verses. There are some things that I've been praying for for a long time. And I'm still asking, God? And then I get to this section. And I'm like, there's a disconnect in my head between what you said and what's happening in my life. Now, I know I'm immature, but has anyone else felt that way? Yeah, some of us, right? God, where are you? But there are times, really, we can say that we did ask. And God was real. And God was faithful. And Jesus gets all the glory. So I read this. And I tell you, it's the same book. And I wrote the verse down. And I was like, okay, I want my prayers answered. That's just how I work sometimes. And we'll see how that progresses in the rest of the sermon. God, I want. But then, okay, verse 7. If you abide in me. So this is how my mind works. Okay, I want my prayers answered. Teach me to abide in you. That was my statement. If abiding means answers, I want to abide. Has anyone thought like that or it's just me? Because it's pretty obvious if you abide in me. 
And of course, my pastor hat came on wherever it is, which I don't know, it's not very smart. But anyways, what does it mean to abide? Okay, to live in, to have abode. Like, I know the answers. I've actually taught it before. Remain in his love. Don't get ahead of yourself. Don't try and do things yourself. Just trust in the Lord. Come on, he lives in us. We live in him. You know the answers, right? So I'm writing in my journal, I need to remain in the love of God. I know you love me, God. Now will you answer my prayer? But as I went on and I read, because I usually read a chapter of the time, God really on Tuesday began to expound the chapter, maybe in ways I had known, but in this moment to speak to me again. As I read on and I'm asking the question truly, what does it mean to abide? He says very clearly, as the Father loved me in verse 9, and I have loved you, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So we went from pretty mystical to pretty practical in the course of two verses. What does it mean to abide? I actually asked God that question. Next verse, do what I say. Oh. I like the more sitting on the couch abiding with you. Right? Do what I say. Basically, that's what he's saying very clearly. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. It is in red print. It is obvious. And I find in my life, I like to keep the commandments I like. But what specific commands, God, are you asking me to do to abide in your love? It does say commandments, but then my mind started to move as I was reading, and the chapter flowed in verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another. It's almost, for me, it was getting more and more specific. You want your prayers answered, abide in me. What does it mean to abide? Do what I say. What do you say? What are you saying to me, God? Love one another. And actually, in this discourse of these four chapters, as many times as you will read that God will hear you and answer your prayers, as many times will you read, it says, love one another. Actually, he says, I give you a new commandment when he's washing their feet at the beginning of the chapter, love one another, right? And then he says it because I'm a thick skull and I need to hear things twice. In verse 17, these things I command you that you love one another. So he's repeating himself because much repetition makes for more memory. (laughs) Do you know that? You want to memorize something? Keep saying it over and over and over. I've told you before, if you hear the same thing again and again, the increase ability for you to remember it goes way up. And if you hear the same sermon twice, there's a 25% capacity of you remembering something that was said. That's just how our minds work. And Jesus knows that. So the command is love one another. So I started. I want my prayers answered. Abide, abide. Do what I say. Do what I say. Love one another. What does it mean to love one another? Right? We're practical. What does it truly mean to love one another? Well, he says that too. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friend. What does it mean to love one another? 
It means to lay down your rights, your life for one another. Jesus is the perfect picture of love. Amen. And he says, there is no greater love. This is the red print. I gave my life for you. You are my friend. And then if you want more, you can go to 1 Corinthians 13, and you know all the things there. Love hopes. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Love forgives. Love doesn't hold on to debt. Love does all of these things. Love doesn't get bitter. It can get angry, but it doesn't get bitter. Love gives and gives to the point where there's nothing in us because we die to ourselves. And right there, I got really excited. And then I asked the question, is there any relationship in my life, God, that I am not loving the way you want me to love? Because if that's the command to abide with you, I want to abide with you. I want to be loving people. And obviously, I guess, not only the verb to do, to love, to give, but is there any bitterness in my life? And I started thinking that, you know what? If some relationship in my life is off, and there is not forgiveness, it truly will affect my prayer life. Does everyone agree with that? It is really hard to pray when you are upset. Amen? And so I thought of that, and I want to abide. And I was excited. The next day I was teaching Bible at the Christian school, so I went in there, and I said, listen, I want our prayers to be effective. And of course, this is how my mind, I checked my own bitterness, and I started teaching this passage. Guys, you know, is there any bitterness in your life? And I taught them that. And I don't think that was a wrong thing to taught, teach, and I don't think it's a wrong thing to teach now. But really, in some ways, I was trying to create a formula just for God to answer my prayers. You know that? Okay, he said, abide. If I do that, you'll answer my prayers. My end goal is just to, God, you to answer my prayers, right? And I don't think this loving is bad. I actually think it's great, and I think we need to do it. And I think there's a sermon in itself, but I started seeing that I was trying to create a formula because my end goal was always to have my prayers answered. By the way, I'll just stop there, though. If there is bitterness in your life, if there is unforgiveness in your life, like before I go on with the lessons of my life, you have to deal with it. If you're angry this morning because there's bitterness and you're wondering why your relationship with God doesn't seem to be working, you have to forgive. Does everyone understand that? Before we move on. In a group this size, I know, and I know, not because I know your situation specifically, because I know if there's about 80 of us that the possibility of Satan tempting us in relationships and bitterness is probably pretty high, right? I know my life because he comes every day. Well, look what they did, look what they did, look what they did. And it's a daily practice to be like, God, I'm not going to hold on to that. You don't want me to do that. And by the way, to prove that, 1 Peter 3, husbands and wives, it says very clearly, husbands, honor your wife. Your heirs of grace together, honor them. 
What does it say? That your prayers may not be hindered. So we can hinder our prayers by a relationship that's wrong, that there is no forgiveness in. Does someone hurt you this morning? You have to forgive because it affects your time to be with the Lord and for him to work in what you're asking him to do. So that's a great lesson, right? But that wasn't mine. But if it works for you, praise the Lord, right? Because that's scripture. And I find in the church and in my life that if God's moving, Satan's coming in the back door because he doesn't want to see God work. And he's going to try and cause bitterness in my life, in your life, in everyone's life. And he's going to try and cause just junk, right? So we have to be aware of that because we're way more effective. We're in fellowship of loving one another as the father loved the son. You're supposed to love each other. Okay. Amen, right? Don't leave that point if you're not supposed to leave it. You deal with it, okay? Okay, let's move on though. Because I taught that, but see, my problem was, I want my prayers answered, okay? And if this is the ticket, I want the ticket. So what do you think's wrong with that? I'm thinking about how to get my prayers answered as the, the chief end of my journey. But this verse, all the way back to 15.7, that's not the chief end of my journey. My journey is to be with Jesus and do what he says. Not to get my prayers answered the way I want all the time. And I find that really difficult because there's a lot of things, as I mentioned, that I've been waiting for and I've been praying about and I've been giving to God. And sometimes because God showed me things, I got so intense in thinking, if I find a formula for God to answer my prayer, if I get more intense and do what He says, I'll get to this end goal of seeing Him answer my prayer. And so I'm thinking this, we're at Thursday now, I'm going through Scripture, and God is just smacking me down. Is that what my relationship is with you, Daniel? Just to see me answer your prayer? Is that the depth of your relationship with me? First time, Pastor. No, no, Lord. <laughs> Not me. You know, maybe somebody else. But it was me in a lot of ways. And I don't think sometimes it's bad, but I think in my life... I can get so focused on answers that I forget simply about my relationship with Jesus Christ. And the problem is I get so disappointed and so encouraged by these verses because my goal is just to see the answer instead of really knowing that the journey with Jesus is way more important than the answer to my prayers. I've been pretty intense in terms of teaching prayer. And I've been intense on myself in that I should pray more. And I don't think that's a bad thing, by the way. But I think in my intensity to find answers, I can almost push it so hard that people feel guilty if they're not doing it. The problem is, if you're praying just because you want an answer 
or you're praying just because Pastor Dan is intense about it, you'll always be disappointed. Do you hear me? (laughs) You'll always be disappointed. But as verse 7 says, God has so much more for us. He simply wants to abide and be with us. I guess I would put it like this. You see, prayer is the fruit of an abiding relationship when it's answered. That's the fruit. But sometimes we're after the fruit and not being a part of the tree. And I don't know, how do you view prayer this morning? Do you see it as something that you do when you're desperate for an answer? Do you see it as something, as a shopping list for God to come through for you? Or is it simply your desire to be in His presence? Is it simply your desire to give Him your thoughts, to have His words abide in you, to communicate with Him, to share how you're feeling, to know what He says, to read His Word as His words abide in you as you pray through them. And if you are with Him and obeying what He says, the fruit of that will be answered prayer. Do you know it really releases us? It really releases us in so many ways to enjoy our relationship with God instead of using God for what we want. I want to tell you this morning, if you simply will live in Him and His words in you, and you will simply do what He says, and what He says is to love each other, that He will bless your prayer life. And you will experience answers that you've never experienced before. But it won't matter. You'll be thankful and you'll celebrate because he's a great God. But you'll still just enjoy being with him. I'm sorry to say this, but there is no real formula. (laughs) It's not do this, get that. It's be with me and let me take control. I think... That was my journey this week, and that's been my journey for a good while. And I'll finish with this story. Went to a 22-hour prayer listening retreat about a month ago. So what you do is you go. Some of the leaders from the church went. Not only do you pray, and it wasn't 22 hours straight, by the way. We did sleep. We went. (laughs) We're not that spiritual, okay? And we weren't even fasting. I had a great big steak, and it was delicious. I think it helped my prayers if you're looking for a formula. You can get me one anytime. Anyways. And I went, and I had some expectation of God in prayer. I've set this time aside, Lord. I'm ready to hear from you. And I was pumped and ready to go. I've got all these questions. I got all these questions about church. How are we going to do small groups next year? How are we going to do discipleship? We need a disciple. We need more volunteers. We need people, people, people. 
God, how are you going to do it? And so when we got there, they put all our challenges up on the wall. Here's what we're praying for. Northgate, yes, you're praying for this. And then they had this little exercise where each of us prayed for each other and listened how we could encourage each other. And then we had this exercise where we had to write a letter that we thought God was telling us to Northgate. Like, that was the exercise. And so we all write our letters. And, yeah, they're pretty good. Some good writers, people hearing from the Lord here. We write them all down. The facilitator's writing them down. This is good. And he says, is any of this contrary to Scripture? Because we heard from God, and everyone's like, no, no, this is great. And they're like, what does everyone think about this? And I'm like, I think this is stupid. I didn't say that. I said, I don't like this. And they're like, why? I'm like, because you haven't given me any answers. I came here for answers. This is generic. We ought to love one another. Like, we know that, okay, right? Like, like, what about the exact program you want us to do? And I, you know, I'm being honest. Who I am, I had expectations, right? And I went in and they're like, and I remember one point, someone said to me in the midst of this, you need to be patient. And then I was like, stop the phone again. I like, <laughs> I am sick and tired. I think I did say that actually, <laughs> of being patient. And waiting for God's answer. And I know, listen, I'm flesh just like you. But I'm not going to lie to them, right? I've been waiting. God, you promised a harvest of souls for 13 years. And I'm so thankful for your work. And I know your promise was real. And I know it was supernatural. I'm just getting tired and I desire your work to come completely to this county. I want you to work. That was my heart. I'm just being honest. This is great, but there's more. God, let's go. I haven't waited three months or three years. Mr. Facilitator from Georgia. He looks at me. Where do you think your impatience is coming from? (laughs) He's like all this gentle, like, I'm getting all excited. He's like, where do you think? I'm like, I don't know. Why don't you tell me? My flesh? Like... I think your memory clear as day. The idea like, why do you want to see the answers? That's what he was saying. Are you trying to validate that you heard from God? Are you trying to validate that you're a good pastor? Because God's going to do it, so why are you worried about when? It must be something within you. Well, now I really don't like what he's saying. <laughs> what? I'm getting frustrated, right? And I can remember it was time to break for dinner, praise the Lord. I had enough. And he sits beside me, of course, right? And he's like, I just want to tell you that Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. You don't need to worry about answers. Jesus is enough. You don't need to validate yourself through the church or... God's going to do it, but Jesus is enough. You know when they're doing saying the right thing, right? <laughs> but it's God, this process of working in my heart. And maybe your heart this morning 
if there's specific things you're calling out to God for, that you can trust him and leave it and understand that in abiding in him, he is enough for you. And he loves you. And you need to remain in that love and you need to love one another. But for me and for you, don't be so focused on exactly how God's going to answer or when he's going to answer. Simply remain in him by loving others. I'll never forget because I got in the car to leave and Amy and I were driving home and of course Mr. Facilitator sends me a text. And there was a lot in that text that spoke to my heart. He had a real gift to hear from God. He said this to me in that text. I wrote it down for you. In the pursuit of what's missing, you will miss out on loving one another each moment. Love one another each moment, and I will grow my church beyond what you can imagine. Be quiet, Larry. It's for you. It's for me this morning. What are you praying for? What are you frustrated about? What are you hoping that will happen in calling out to God? In the pursuit of that, and what you feel is missing in your life, or what you want God to do, don't get so fixated on that that you miss out on loving Him and loving one another in each moment. You think that's one of Satan's weapons, looking beyond the present to what God practically wants us to do now. Because I can guarantee you that he will do what he said he's going to do. And he will grow his church here. And he will do what he wants in your life. He will actually do more than you can ask or even imagine. But please, in looking for the answer, don't miss out on what he has today. Remain in his love and love one another. And if there is friction or problem, don't let it take away from what he has for you today. How's my week? And I pray that it would help you do the truth of God's word. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for what you have told us. We simply need to abide in you and to, to do that by loving one another. This morning we're going to take communion. Communion is being a community. It's having common thoughts about Jesus. So together we're communing and thinking of Christ. If you know this morning in your heart that there's someone you need to forgive because Christ has forgiven you. Maybe your prayers are being hindered. This is a great time before we take communion to simply give it to Jesus. Just clear everything out. Focus on him. See what he's done for you, his love for you, and share it. This is a great time to abide in him and what he's done and to practically deal with things in our life that need to be done away with.
to get away the hindrances for living for Him, to take away the hindrances of that communication that He wants with us. His Word is clear in this section too. As we do this, He will bear fruit and our joy will be full. As He is enough for us, our joy is full. So examine your heart this morning. Give it to Him. But don't stay there too long because you want to examine Jesus and His perfection and His love and His grace and His goodness and His righteousness. And as you examine Him, you'll see that all of that junk will go away as you're honest with Him. As you see Him on the cross and know you're forgiven, all that stuff you examined in yourself is dealt with because He paid the price. He dealt with it and it's done. And we're celebrating and remembering that we are new in Him and nothing holds us back because His work on the cross is enough for us. Oh, just give it to Him this morning and know the freedom, the freedom of forgiveness, the freedom of His Holy Spirit this morning. We have brothers and sisters in the back. Maybe there's something you need to confess as you take communion. Just to be free. Maybe you've confessed. But it says in James to confess one another that we would be healed. And if there's anything you want to do, praise the Lord. We're a family. We're a body. None of us is perfect. We all struggle. Lord, bless this time. The elements are in the back. The bread and the juice. His body and His blood. As you worship, as you examine your heart, and more importantly, Jesus this morning. Be blessed. Randy's going to sing as you are worshiping and thinking quietly in a spirit of worship. Retrieve the elements and hold them. And we'll partake together as a community thinking of Jesus. Let's worship him.